following teaching is from the Warrior's Heart Bible Study for Men. You can find us on the web at warriorsheart.org. We hope you have a great day. One of the great privileges of being in ministry is hanging out with some of the most uh, fascinating specialists in ministry. And while I uh, love to spend time with those who are involved with I was in uh, Illinois just this last weekend, and, and uh, some of the, the people that I meet when I go off on ministry, I always make friends with the tech people because they run my sound and they can turn me on or off. So I always uh, shake hands and slip a 20 in when I shake hands with them. But the, uh, the fun guys that are really interesting to me that are, are the worship leaders. I don't know if any worship leaders are here, so I just want to lift uh, those people up. But I, I, worship leaders always find other worship leaders or lead worshipers, and musicians sort of congregate, and, and uh, they cheer each other on, and they, they actually have it a little bit more difficult than us speakers, because they always have to be up. When we speakers are kind of down, we just find a passage of scripture that talks about being down, and we just exposit that scripture. But the worship leaders have to determine their emotion based upon the song, so they're constantly trying to generate their energy and, and feed off of each other. And they're multitasking in their brain as well as their instruments and trying to connect with each other. Uh, this worship band was uh, a band of eight, and uh, all eight of them, they were all from different churches, and they only had a chance really to rehearse maybe for a couple hours before the uh, the event got together. So they're always laughing and talking about some of their mistakes. And uh, I was uh, listening in on some worship leaders in the past, and they were joking about how many times they actually were thinking one thing, and actually said another. So he was. This guy was singing this song, which is a very famous, of course, Christian song. Take my lips and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. And he said that as a result of that, his ability as a kisser always improved as a result. And uh, so he's obviously thinking of something else. And there's another. There's another worship leader who 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 misquoted the scripture. We always tease these guys. Just sing. Don't talk. Just sing. But he, he decided to, to quote scripture, and he quoted the scripture from Colossians 3.16 uh, about singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual thongs. And he couldn't figure out for the longest time why in the world people were laughing. Uh, and uh, those are the kinds of moments you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to do multitasking in your mind. And one guy saying, I'd rather have silver than Jesus or gold. And so sometimes the dyslexia falls into the, to the realm of those because they, they just think a little bit too hard. Uh, one guy was trying to figure out some background music and pick some, uh, some music he, he really liked to, to be the background for a part of the worship service. And someone told him later that the song that he chose was actually the theme to the movie The Exorcist. <laughs> and of course, there, this, is, this, this one has been repeated several times about Jesus lay prostate on the ground. And you forget one letter like an R and it changes the whole meaning in the English language. This guy wanted to say, stand up and worship with us, but he left out the with. It's just a small little word. So he said, stand and worship us. So he, I think most of the people sort of figured, he didn't really say that, did he? And th- those are the moments when your fellow worshipers never let you forget how you misspoke. Uh, this uh, particular worship leader was trying to prime up the, the church for that pre-chorus song, uh, God is God, the God of the city, and wanted to say, there is only God. But instead he shouted out with a great deal of emphasis, there is no God. 
and people somehow just keep on flowing and the worship people just keep on pushing it like, oh, you didn't hear that. <laughs> Lead us into temptation and deliver us in evil. So again, dyslexia wins out in those kinds of moments. There, there are times when we have to actually take our sense of what worship is all about and focus our attention on the reality of where we are as human beings. And God wants us, really, to spend some time with Him. And don't worry about the reputation we might have if we misspeak or misstep. God is really interested in the sincerity of our heart, uh, not trying to impress other people with the way that we come across with our language or with our intention. God just wants us completely. And God knows that. And, and it's just like me now being a grandfather and picking up my grandson. And he's, he's trying to pat me. He's trying to be loving, but he doesn't have that much control. So he's slapping my face or drooling on me. And we just love it as grandfathers. It's just something about the loving sense of having this child close to you and the warmth of that child. You don't worry about all those little misactions that are occurring. In our Christian life, God wants us to do something very, very similar with that regard, and he wants us to make sure that our Christian life is incredibly active. And one of the things I just want to pause here for a moment and remind you is we would love to see what God could do through Warrior's Heart, not just for us who come, but we really want to see what God could do for the city of Houston through Warrior's Heart. And maybe one of the easiest things for you to do is just start praying for a handful of guys. It could be just one, it could be up to five, it could even be double digit, it really doesn't matter, but whoever God puts on your heart. And in the center of your table, we've got those business cards, those warrior heart business cards. Just take a take take two or three and just start praying. You don't have to give it out. It's, it's No one's going to keep a quota. But if you could just start praying, God, can you help us be a part of you changing the city of Houston for Jesus Christ? So this city will be known for a light that is an eternal light. And maybe we can be a big part of that, gentlemen. You know, one of the easiest ways we could do is just start praying for men that we can invite. And maybe there's a couple guys out there who are really hungry for something. And all they need is an invitation because you know how we guys are. Uh, we, if, if, if a friend asks us, we, our tendency to say yes is far greater than us even taking the initiative on our own to do something brand new in the spiritual realm. So... Just pray about it and take those cards there in the middle of the table and it'll be worthwhile. Well, we're going to turn our attention to this whole business of what it's like to worship God in the middle of our busyness. And we've got tasks and responsibilities that are staring us square in the face. Why in the world will we take time to worship? Why don't we just wait until life calms down and our career gets to, gets to a point where we can take the time? But God's not all about that. God is all about us being with Him and worshiping Him at the time. So even though it might seem strange, we give a priority of our relationship to Almighty God. So here we turn our attention to the last part of the book of Joshua, chapter 8, and uh, this is what the scripture says in verse 30. Then Joshua built on Mount Ebal an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the Israelites. Huge amount of our lesson is going to be camped just on that phrase, that on that first sentence that I read in those first in that first one and a half verses. He built it according to what is written in the book of the Law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones on which no iron tool had been used. On it, they offered to the Lord burnt offerings and sacrificed fellowship offerings. Now, most of us in 2014 were thinking to ourselves, well, that doesn't have a whole lot to do with us. Practically, we don't burn anything on an altar. We don't have to build an altar. 
We don't have to worry about how an altar is constructed. So we think, what in the world does this have to do with us? Well, a lot of it has to deal with this one concept. Warriors have priorities. Even though God sends us into battle, he gives to us a certain set of criteria, issues that we hold very important in our spirit as we function. As warriors in the field, in the middle of battle, we still function on the basis of some very special priorities. What we have here historically is an amazing event in the life of the nation of Israel. And I just imagine Israel going across the Jordan River and taking the the city of Jericho, starting to climb up out of the desert, out of that valley where the Jordan River flows with the wilderness and everything barren behind you, seeing this massive rise of the geography ahead of you, trying to take the smaller town of Ai, not far from Jericho. And once with the adventures of of Ai as we have followed through Achan and his sin and God's restoration of the nation of Israel back to him and the tremendous defeat of this city, now the entire region of Palestine are again terrified that these people that God is sending into the land are going to be like locusts and swallow them up. In the midst of that moment of fear and terror, the nation of Israel doesn't take advantage of that moment militarily, but instead they do something odd. Instead of just launching every military campaign they can to control and to dominate the center part of the, of the promised land, instead they break off from battle and they head for a spiritual journey. Now you have to capture in your own minds the oddity of all that. No military leader is going to waste away the opportunity when they have a strategic advantage against their enemy. We do the same thing in business. We do the same thing in our craft. We do the same thing in our occupations. When we have the momentum, take advantage of it. Never squander momentum. And yet for some reason, priorities trump the momentum. And God gave in the spirit of Joshua, when he had a very close heart toward him, there is something that God wanted Joshua to do with the nation of Israel, and that's where they were going to go. So they go 20 miles north on this ridge road that's right along the part of the mountain, they go from south to north, when everything on, on the west side is the promised land that they're going to have, all the mountainous region, all the way over to the east side, they can look down the valley where the Jordan River flows. And so they go 20 miles north, the entire nation, not just the military men, but the wives and the children and all their belongings. They have no place else to go. So as they wander up this trail with a determination of following their leader, they can see the sights. They're now going to be a part of the nation of Israel for generations. And the Jordan River is incredibly significant as a border part of what the nation of Israel is going to find as their land. But they get come to the end of the 20-mile trek, and up to the left or to the west, there are two mountains, one to the north, one to the south. Mount Ebal to the north and Mount Gerizim to the south. This becomes the geographical location for one of the most unusual episodes in the life of Joshua in the early part of his military campaign. Just to put this all in context, just seven miles further down a road that goes from the ridge road where the nation of Israel was traveling north to down to diverted itself down in the valley, goes between these two mountains of Ebal and Gerizim. Seven miles beyond that is the town of Samaria. So this is a geographical focus of where the nation of Israel is at this particular juncture. Between these two mountains is another city. It's called Shechem. And the town of Shechem has an amazing history because of the tribe of the nation of Israel going back to this particular location 
and seeing in their minds all that God has done to make them a people birthed out of just one man. It was here that Abraham, when he came from Ur, he stopped here at Shechem on his great journey to go to where God wanted him to go. It is here that Abraham built the first altar that God had ever directed him to build. And this particular focus of this historical point, <clears throat> extremely helpful for us, because we don't build altars today anymore. But the nation of Israel, from its very birth and inception, the altar became a focal point of their spiritual priority of being connected with Almighty God. This is also where Jacob had the stolen gods uh, from Laban, his father-in-law and his, his, his wife, his daughter of Laban stole them, and he brought those, those idols uh, here to, to Shechem. This is also where Joseph had an encounter with his brothers when uh, he was there with his coat of many colors and his brothers were incredibly jealous. This particular town, Shechem, is where this particular episode of, of Joseph and his brothers and that tremendous sense of hostility with one another was expressed. Joseph was buried here in the town of Shechem, and Jacob dug a well here, and maybe it was the very same well that Jesus Christ sat at when he talked to the woman from Samaria. So Shechem became and was a very central part of a lot of the episodes and activities of the nation of Israel. But one of the fascinating things here is this whole business between these two, these two mountains of uh, Ebal and Gerizim. So we have here on this mountain... Oh, it's, not, it's working now. Uh, these are the two mountains of uh, Gerizim on this side, uh, a little further back, and the Mount Ebal. And a uh, fascinating geographical situation that we have here. Um, the, the mountains are only 500 yards apart here at the base and about a mile and a half from the top. And unusual, as interesting as it is, the geographical feature allows for a natural amphitheater to occur here before we had amazing guys like Jonathan in the back uh, doing our uh, IT and tech for us. You could stand there actually in the very center and speak in a fairly loud but not extreme voice and people on both sides of the hill could hear you. God knew this. God designed the world and he created it the way he wanted to and he knew that this was the location that he wanted the nation of Israel to go to. He gave Moses the instruction to send the nation of Israel here. And God uh, was, is not going to waste a 20-mile journey for 2.5 million people with uh, donkeys and uh, goats and sheep uh, going along with them. God knew exactly where he wanted them to go, and he had an exact reason and purpose for them to be there. So when we look at this natural amphitheater, God is going to be speaking through Joshua, because Joshua remembered a specific instruction given to him by Moses. In Deuteronomy 27, verses 1 through 8, this is what the scripture said, and this is the foundation and the reason for the nation of Israel under Joshua's leadership to break off in this military campaign to do a special session of worship. So gentlemen, we got to ask ourselves this question. Warrior's heart, it's not just about the battle. It's about the spiritual priorities. And have we ever sensed that God wanted us to break off from our busy activity of what we do for a living and our identity and a job, because we knew that God wanted us to have a special time of worship with him. Would we even have the courage to do that? Or would we think to ourselves, this is way too weird. People are going to think I'm off my rocker. But this is why Joshua did what he did for the entire nation. Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people, keep all these commands I give you today. 
We sense here, even in 2014, there's something about the commands that God gives and the obedience that we must demonstrate towards God's specific directives. When you have crossed the Jordan into the land the Lord your God is giving you, set up some large stones and coat them with plaster. Write on them all the words of this law when you have crossed over to enter the land of the Lord your God is giving you, a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. And you see how many times the names of God are paralleled and put together in this, this partnership? Lord, all capital letters, Yahweh or Jehovah, the God who makes promises and keeps them. And then coupled with the word and the name for God, G, capital G, little O, little D, Elohim, the God who creates out of nothing. The God who makes every promise and keeps every promise he makes, coupled with a God who can create out of nothing. That's this tremendous connection and dynamic that they are hearing over and over and over again and repeated over and over and over again. Gentlemen, this is the same God we believe in today. The God who makes promises to us, we got a Bible full of those promises. He keeps every promise he makes. We've got to believe that the center and the heart of our faith is believing the integrity of God that he will keep his word. And we never doubt that, not just because it's some kind of Pollyannish belief, but it's a, a sense where we accept God as great as he is, that even if, if he has to create the resources out of nothing in order to keep his promises, God will do that. That's the same faith and belief that God wants for all of us. So he goes on here in verse 4, And when you have crossed the Jordan and set up these stones on Mount Ebal, as I command you today, and coat them with plaster, build there an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. Do not use any iron tool upon them. Build the altar of the Lord your God with the field stones, and offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. Sacrifice fellowship offerings there, eating them and rejoicing in the presence of of the Lord your God, and you shall write very clearly all the words of the law on the stones that you have set up. Aren't you glad that whatever church that you're a member of, that the, one of the, the base, the criteria for membership was not that you had to write out the entire New Testament by hand before that, that you become a member? I mean, I, I, I don't think any of us would join a church. I don't think there'd be any churches with memberships. But we have a great privilege. Someone's done that for us. And God has provided us the scriptures, his word, so that we can have that as a basis of how we behave and how we know what we are supposed to be doing in the presence of Almighty God. Fascinating thing that the altar was something that was going to become a focal point for the nation of Israel. And did you notice here in this particular story on Mount Gerizim where all the blessings were recited and on Mount Ebal where all the curses were, were pronounced? Which of those two mountains the altar was actually built? Do you remember which one? Boy, isn't that a weird one? He built the altar on the mountain where the curses were with regard to identifying sin. And you remember the Samaritans when the Samaritan woman met with Jesus and said, Hey, we worship on Mount You don't read your Bibles much? <laughs> we worship on Mount Gerizim. And Jesus uh, was responding to that whole situation. And, and when you start to put that particular lesson together with this one, God is saying one thing to the world, and the world is saying one thing to God. 
completely different. God is saying to the nation of Israel, as you go into the promised land, there's going to be time of blessing and there's going to be time of curses. There's going to be a time when you're going to be blessed because you've been obedient. There's going to be time of curses because you have sinned. Sin is reality because we are human. But the amazing thing is God isn't saying, I can't wait to judge you when you sin. Instead, God is saying to the nation of Israel here at these two mountains, giving them this incredible altar of sacrifice, I'm going to give you a way to get back to me. Because when sin happens, here is how to restore our relationship so that the blessings can be returned to you. But if we think we don't want anything to do with Mount Ebal, but we want everything to do with Mount Gerizim, all we want are the blessings of God. And when the blessings don't come, hardships come, trials come, difficulties come, we say, God, why me? The question is, God, thank you for the altar that can restore my relationship with you because obviously there's some sin in my life or around me that's causing our relationship to disassemble. And one of the most amazing gifts that God gives to us is this phenomenon that he gives us an altar to restore that relationship. But we don't have to build an altar out of stone because we have Jesus Christ. And gentlemen, it's not an embarrassment to go to Jesus Christ and confess our sin. It's the solution to restore the relationship that has been broken because of disobedience, hesitation, and the lack of our relationship with him. On Ebal, not Gerizim, the mountain of sin, God gives to us a solution to return so we can enjoy the blessings that the nation of Israel is hearing recited from the Mount Gerizim. Now the Samaritans here worship on Gerizim and this uh, phenomenal uh, statement by this woman as she spoke to to Jesus Christ with the implications of wanting to give from God these uh, amazing blessings. But God, through Jesus Christ, is saying it's not about where you worship, It's not about even the mode of worship. It's all about a relationship with me. So Jesus Christ pointed that Samaritan woman away from the mountain, away from Jerusalem, and said, just focus your attention on me because I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. That was an arrogance. That was Almighty God giving to us imperfect human beings a constant reminder of the way back to a relationship to be restored with him. Worship is all about relationship and the removal of sin through the means that God has given to us so that we could enjoy him forever. So if we think about Joshua 8, 30 to 35, gentlemen, and we are all so busy with our careers and advancing whatever product we're trying to do, perform whatever we're trying to perform, to get those levels to go up, we have to be able to listen to God well enough to say, I need to take a break from this busyness to worship him. So make sure that my relationship with Almighty God is free from any sin that has gotten away and broken that relationship. God is saying warrior's priority is on worship with God where sin is removed. God is not looking for someone to go along with everybody else. God is looking for those who can break away and be different Not because we want to just be different from other people, but because we want to listen to the word of God and obey him without any hesitation. The scripture goes on here in verse 32 and says, There in the presence of the Israelites, Joshua copied the stones of the law of Moses, which he had written. 
I, I parallel this very easily with instead of us writing down the Word of God, just spending time in the Word of God every single day, as much as possible, a consistent time with the Word of God every single day. What makes the difference more than anything else in the life of a Christian is whether or not we engage the Scripture. It doesn't matter what we do at church. It doesn't really matter what we do with worship. All those things are wonderful. But when it comes down to whether or not our Christian life is productive or not, it comes down to our individual commitment to engage the Bible, God's Word, on a regular basis. Now, here's one of my favorite pictures as I uh, go through the preparation of this lesson. Uh, this, does this look familiar to anybody? Which, this is this is Austin. Yeah, this is this is our this is the state capital of Texas. And right there is the the Ten Commandments. Uh, this this is on the this is on Google. If you want to Google the scriptures and uh, the business of the Ten Commandments, this is in there. That's amazing. I thought, oh, good for Google. The Ten Commandments stones are set up. They are there as a constant reminder. Now, we don't want to lift up the Bible as a simply an artifact or a symbol. Now, this is our source, and the source is now represented in this book. So this is one of those amazing things where the Scripture becomes a part of who we are as we engage it. Moses wrote a copy of the law, and enough of it was written. We don't know if it was the Ten Commandments or the whole thing, but whatever God wanted him to do, that's what Joshua did. And when I uh, think about the process of going through this passage of Scripture and the service that we can uh, minister to around the Word of God, here this is, the, this is what modern-day Gerizim and Ebal looks like. It's at the center of the Promised Land. On top of either one of those mountains, you can see the vast majority of the Promised Land. So as they are anticipating what God has given give to them, these families worship together, kids along with wives and husbands. Now, this doesn't mean that that's the way we're supposed to worship. It just means... And for the nation of Israel at this time, God wanted it to be the entire nation together with a special time of vocal affirmation that this is what they believed. So when I think about what God is doing through this whole process, God is simply looking for among us as individuals, those who listen to his voice, those who hear his commands, and those who immediately obey. Listen, hear, and obey, even if we have to break away from the normal routine of us advancing our careers. Bruce Olson was a young man, in probably in his middle 20s, and he had a great encounter with Jesus Christ. His faith was very real to him. He had a lot of naysayers who tell him, just calm down, go, don't get so excited, and, and fine, just go for the long run. You don't have to be so over the top. But for some reason, got a hold. God got a hold of this young man's heart and uh, gave him a real passion to, to see Jesus Christ brought to the world. And the more that he read and the more that he was exposed to what the need around the world was, God directed his heart to South America and directed him to a a group of people that nobody had ever talked to, uh, a a group of Indians who were up there on the border between Colombia and Venezuela. And he knew the name of the tribe, uh, the Molinos, something along those lines. Uh, I only read the book. I didn't ever talk to the guy, but I think it's pronounced Molinos. And it's a tribe that's up there and had one famous reputation that he was convinced that everybody knew. And that was they had an unmatched reputation for violence and killings. But he was burdened for them that they would know Jesus Christ. So he didn't have any missionary support. He didn't have any church support. And people were telling him not to go. 
but he was just burdened. He couldn't get these people off his mind. So as a young man, he took what he had and got a ticket, a one-way ticket, and went down to Venezuela and uh, made his way through the woods because no one would take him. He kept on asking about the Molinos. The people looked at him and said, man, you're crazy. Those people are dangerous. And he wasn't thinking about their danger. He was thinking about their need to know Jesus Christ. So he finally wandered through the woods, and people said, okay, if you want them, you go that direction. So he went for days and days and days, traveling through the jungles he didn't know about. And he, he found this uh, group of Indians, and he, he spoke to, as best he could. And, and the first thing that they did was they beat him up. And they beat him up again. And they beat him up to where he was almost dying from a, a lip, just, just a lie within an inch of his life. And they, they picked him up, and they brought him to their village, and they threw him in an empty hut. No medical attention, nothing. And it took, took him months to recover. And they hardly gave him any food and hardly any water. Just got sick. And after, after months and months of engaging these people and, and trying to uh, be a witness, he got, had to learn the language, learn the culture, and they treated him like a, like, a, like, a, like a dog. And after years of being with these people and finally learning the language, he, he suddenly realized in his engagement with these people, they were not the Molinos. And when he said, I'm, I'm here for the Molinos, they said, oh, no, you don't want to go, with, go to those people. They're really mean. <laughs> so he said, no, no, that, that's who God wanted me to go to. So after he got back into health and learned their language a little bit after years, they said, well, we'll, we'll have a guy take you, but they're a long ways from here. So a guy took him for days and days and days on the trail, and finally the guy got more scared and more scared. He says, this is the closest I want to take you. You, you have to go on your own, just... Go in that direction, and you'll find the Molinos, or they'll find you. And so he was alone again, going through the jungles. He just went, and days after days or days, ran out of water, ran out of food. He was dehydrated. He was getting sick, had a fever. He was exhausted, so he lay down by the side of the road, on the, the trail he was on, and he went to sleep just to get some rest. And he, he writes that he remembers having a dream, that he was in this valley, a beautiful valley, with all these incredible butterflies. And then he woke up, and he realized he wasn't in the valley, but there were the butterflies. In fact, there was a, a butterfly in his mouth, and he couldn't figure out what was going on, so he opened up his mouth, and he felt whatever was wiggling in there with this fl- fluffy stuff, and he, he started to pull on it, and he realized that as he kept on pulling, he kept on pulling and pulling this intestinal worm out of his mouth that was about two and a half feet long. He had, had so little water and so little food that the intestinal worm was hungry and it was out looking for food. So it was crawling out of his body. And he threw it on the ground and stomped on it. So he finally thought, oh, I'm not going to sleep anymore. And he got on his trail and he started walking. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine what that's like and the retching that would come after that? And finally, after a few more days, he, he found the tribe of the Molinos. And he was so thrilled to see them, he greeted them with enthusiasm and they beat him up. And they tortured him, and they beat him up again, an inch of his life. And for years and years and years, they treated him like an animal. Until just with his persistence, and with his determination and his love, he finally started to win one to Jesus Christ. Then he won another and another. Before you know it, the entire tribe came to know Jesus Christ. Most of us will never hear of Bruce Olson unless we read that book, Bruchko, which was his autobiography of this great episode. And I, I remember after finishing reading that book, I thought to myself, 
How many times do I just want to be safe? And if God ever spoke to me, I'm not so sure I'd recognize his voice. And if I don't recognize his voice, how in the world am I ever going to hear him? If I don't hear him, how in the world am I ever going to obey him? God is asking warriors to listen to him. Listen to him regularly so we can hear his voice because we recognize it when God is speaking to us. And when we hear him clearly, then we will obey without hesitation. That's what it means from a lesson like this. As the nation of Israel comes before Almighty God right in the middle as they begin this military campaign. They break off for a time of worship so they can hear from Almighty God. And when they hear from him, they will obey. That's what God wants us to do. I know that you have some questions in the middle of your table, and uh, those were done um, earlier this week. And as I wrestled with this passage of Scripture, I did an alternate table talk questions. But I didn't get that till late last night as I was finishing those up. And I, 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 I know that Jeff is so faithful in, in getting this stuff out to us, and I don't want to circumvent his great service. But just in case you want to do some other questions, I'm going to leave, leave this up on the screen. And uh, as you go through your table talk now, thinking along this line of how we can engage God as warriors, not just only in battle, but making sure we hear and listen to Almighty God and then obey Him. That's what He wants us to do. Have a great time with the Table Talk. Thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. We hope you can join us in person. We meet Thursday mornings at 6.30 a.m. in the Fellowship Center of Houston's First Baptist Church. For more details and to register, you can visit us on the web at warriorsheart.org. That's warriorsheart.org. We hope you have a great day.